Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 199. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, what's going on, buddy? Dude, one away from 100. Just one. 200. Or sorry, 200. <laughs> My God, I can't even count the 200, even though it's right there. Um, yeah, man, that's incredible. Good job by us. Long distance high five. Love it. Uh, not a whole lot going on here. I wrote on Twitter the other day that my fingers are killing me because I started playing bass again. Okay, how's that going? And they are just the strings are just chewing up my fingers that don't have calluses on them. What's your go-to bass riff? If you like, you pick up bass off the wall, right? You're gonna go. Pl- What's the riff that you go play? Carousel by Blink One Eighty Two. Every time, without Ooh, fail. Ooh, good song. Okay, love that. Every time. That's the first thing I did. I haven't played in like eight years, so I'm crazy rusty. So I'm starting off where I started off when I started playing bass like 15, 20 years ago or whatever it was. And straight Blink-182 power chord-ish, although it's not power chords, but like root notes type of thing. That's all I'm doing right now. And then I'm noodling and I'm bringing, I'm doing a 12-bar bass line as well, or blues bass as well. So like mixing it all in, trying to soak as much up and remember as much as I can. So the fact that I could do Carousel from memory, mm. Crush, crushing the game over there, Mitch. Love that. What are uh, you up to? It, it, it's finals week at, at school, so my job is slowing down a little bit, and uh, I'm loving it and uh, been able to take in some more hockey, which is a good thing because, uh, well, Mitch, our hockey team is playing very, very good right now. Yeah, the whole neighborhood around here is like, ah, Mitch, how about them Isles, huh? Because there's a lot of French people here. And it's just kind of like, yeah, <laughs> it sucks to be you guys, sense fans. <laughs> Although some of them are Habs fans, which they still think that they're running the world. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, good for them. Good for them. They're they're excited. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, Islanders doing well, right? Moving on because them dumb, sleepy boys are out of here. So the Islanders for the second series in a row go down to one and then win the next three and take it in six on home ice in game six. So... Let's talk about the series and how they got there. So the last time we spoke, 
was after the 4-3 overtime win on the road in Boston. So there are four games since then. They would lose the next one at, on home ice in game three, an overtime game, which I, if I remember correctly uh, on the post game at the time, we were like, okay, obviously going up against Boston in a seven-game series is not easy. I don't think anyone anticipated the Islanders winning the series in five. So if you are going to lose a game, having it be a game like that and not, I don't know, well, go back to game one against the Lightning last year when they lost 8-2. Like I would much rather take a two to one overtime loss in a in a fluky goal to boot on the game winner than getting your doors blown off eight to two. It it really comes down to that, right? Like we lost by a goal in overtime on a lucky shot from nowhere that should have been a goal scoring uh, situ- uh, position. The Islanders played well enough to win that game. They fell a goal short in sudden death overtime, right? It's not like they fell short in regulation. You're going, ah, you know, if we had just tried harder through those 60. Now we did, and we, we kept them to, you know, what is it? It was 1-1, and they won 2-1, right, in overtime in game four or three? Uh, in game th- in game two or game three are you talking? Three. The one that the Brad Marchand goal. The, the, it was 2-1. Okay, yeah, exactly. So they scored one goal, they being the Boston Bruins, and we scored one goal, which is kind of what we expect from us. Um, but we were able to keep them quiet until they scored this fluky goal. Like, that, this is not something to be panicked about at all. And, of course, you know, there's some in the fan base that are panicked. We're 2-1 down. We couldn't win a, a home game. How are we going to do this? How are we going to climb above the Boston Bruins? It's just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep swimming. Yeah. Full-on Dory moment. Just keep swimming, and you'll get it. And that's exactly what happened, right? Nothing crazy changed. They just did their thing, and they won. Yeah, they they kind of like course-corrected themselves almost in the next three games. Like They're they like, okay, we're going to stick to the same formula and just, well, our goalies are really good, so a fluky goal like that's probably not going to happen again, which it, it, it didn't. Not to my memory, at least, in the last three games. No, it did not happen at all. Right? Yes, we have that one fluky goal, done. Out of the series, we lost the first game, didn't play well at all. We lost, we won the second game, we pulled something out of it, and then you lose the third one. We barely lost it one though, and then from there, we never looked back. Absolutely. So, I mean, pretty dominant bounce back performance in Game Five, winning that one four to one. Uh, just solid play all around. Varlamov was excellent. Which I mean, the the four spot the next night probably doesn't look great, but he was. He was good the rest of the way, and in this series as a whole. Right. Well, we're not going to keep the Boston Bruins quiet all, all the whole time, right? Like, you just of can't course. keep that perfection line quiet. And again, like, the perfection line scored 69% of the goals for the Boston Bruins over the series. Like, you, they, they were not quiet whatsoever, no. but, like, we tried our best, and it, and it worked. So, like, limit their chances. They're going to score a few, but limit as many as you can. And, and that's what we did through those games. And, like... They, they, yeah, they scored the four in game five, but they scored three goals, was it, over the the, the other two? Yeah, they Come scored on. two in game six and one in game four. So there you go. It's just, this is what you want to do against a talented team. And we're going up against an even more talented team. Of right? course. And a goalie that isn't technically injured. Right, exactly. And we're going to get into that in the second half of the pod, talking about that series a bunch. As for you know the the Boston series, uh, like you were saying, the the Islanders struggled. I, I think it's fair to say against that top unit, but 
what I I kept thinking back to this and going back to this, especially after the Islanders pulled it off. When you wrote the, I don't remember the exact title, but before the series is kind of like the keys to victory or something like that. And you had the Islanders having better depth and Bruins fans found that were like better depth. What, what are you talking about? The Bruins are much more deep. Um, hello. Like this was the Islanders won because of their depth. Their second and third lines were the best lines in this series. And the Bruins didn't have anything. Go- their bottom six stunks, particularly in this series. They're awful. I would say even bottom nine. Yeah. Right. They had, um, I, have, I have the numbers here that I, I just don't have them in front of me because I don't keep everything immediately in front of me here. Uh, but I'm just bring it up here because I, I tabulated how many goals scored by each line. The Bruins bottom nine scored six of the 17 goals total. Or six of the 17. The top line scored 11. That's nuts. Yeah, that's nuts. Again, the top line scored 69% of their goals, of the goals in this series. The Islanders' top line, four of, let me count it, 10, 20, of four of 24. Four of 24. <laughs> there you go. And that's that's their recipe. The Islanders want it that way. Yeah, it's four, six, seven, four, defense three. The Bruins' defense had one. And so, so sorry, when I said bottom nine, I should have said five. I included <clears throat> the defense scoring a goal there. My bad. Okay, so even you know, take one off. <laughs> even worse, right? That You're right. Like It was the depth. The depth won the day. Because Okay, shut down Matthew Barzell. Great. Kyle Palmieri is going to score. Oh, you're going to shut him down too? Cool. Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Oh, you got him? What about Brock Nelson? Oh, you, you shut him down? What about Anthony Beauvillier? <laughs> oh, don't forget, Casey Zizekas could still score. Oh, yeah. By the way, Josh Bailey is like a point-per-game player in the playoffs, too. (laughs) Right? That's, yes, on paper, the Boston Bruins have more top-end talent. Bergeron, Marchand, um, David Pasternak, Charlie McAvoy, right? Like, these are top-tier players. Yes. But after that, it falls off. And and don't don't come at me, and I know you won't, or probably no one listening to this either, will say, like, well, what about Taylor Hall? Who? (laughs) Who? He's a very he's a very good player, but the, he's on par with like the guys that the Islanders have, the Eberleys of the world, the the Baileys and stuff like that. Um, which, you know, like you said, those top three, those top three forwards are probably those three guys are probably better than every single Islanders forward. But after that, like you said, it, it's the depth. Lou is smiling ear to ear because they were able to do this in the way that he wanted, which was. To me, the like that when the Islanders are clicking, it's death by a thousand cuts. Like they beat you in so many different ways. And sure, they're not an overpowering team. They're not a dominant team. They're not someone who's like, oh my god, look at all that star power. They play to their system well, and they have a lot of guys. Every guy who just does their job and does it well. That's really it. And they don't even have Anders Lee. They don't even have their 40-goal scorer in the lineup. <laughs> right, exactly. I know it's been a couple of years since Anders Lee scored 40, but, I mean, before he got hurt, he was on pace to go back over 30, which, go figure, we were, we've were we been beating that drum for how long, Mitch? We were the don't-give-up-on-Anders-Lee crowd. And, I, and to Lou's credit, once again, we could bring this back to Lou, he realized, hey, you know, losing Anders Lee... You can't replace him as a captain, but we can maybe try to replace him on the ice. And he went out and got two damn good veterans in Travis Zajac and Kyle Palmieri. And I know right now Zajac is playing over Oliver Wallstrom. I mean, I guess technically. Um, Yeah. 
and we were, we were huge Oliver Wallstrom fans. We'd love to see him in the lineup. But you're not going to hear a complaint out of me, and I assume you feel the same way about Travis Zajac's play. I think he's been very good since stepping into the lineup. Yeah, Mr. Lewis J. Lamarillo made a good move in picking up. <laughs> I can't, can't even do, do it. it with a straight face. <laughs> how does he do that every night and yeah. then say it with a straight face? I don't know how. Uh, yes. And that's why he strayed technically, not even technically, but from what we've heard, from other trade deals, right? He had other deals that he could have done, trading away that first round pick and, you know, some, some prospects that I forget about already. Um, he could have moved someone else and, and brought someone else in. But the second that Travis Zajac was added into the, the pot, he's like, whoa, whoa, hold up. What, really? Done. Yeah. So I get that deal done today. I, I'm, I don't care about anyone else. Taylor Hall who? Right? Like, I don't care. Get me the two for one. Because I've got, yes, Taylor uh, uh, Kyle Palmieri didn't do a whole lot during the regular season. But to be fair to him, that doesn't seem like a Kyle Palmieri issue. That seems like an Islanders system issue. Because yeah. they've done that three times now, twice this year, technically. <clears throat> and whenever they brought that guy in, he's had a hard time getting into the, the thick of things early. It takes a while. Look how long it took Jean-Gabriel Peugeot. And here we are, Kyle Palmieri, Travis Ajak, finally figuring out where they need to be, how they need to act, what they need to do. And God damn it, it's working well. No, absolutely. And when it clicks, it's a thing of beauty because like we've, I mean, we've, said it pretty much this whole segment because it's the truth and how the Islanders won this series. When they're they're firing on all cylinders, it's really, really fun. I mean, look at the the goal totals. The Islanders are a team who they, they don't really score a ton of goals. Six, five, four, one, four, two in the series. They are the top scoring team in the playoffs, are they not? Yes. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. Over Colorado, over Vegas, who over Tampa, all you know. Team, powerhouse teams, all contending teams. And by a lot, right? Well, maybe not that much, but we're talking five goals over the next team, which are them, them the dumb mad clouds in, in Tampa have 38 goals in 11 games, right? It's not like, oh, the Islanders played so many games. Of course, they're going to have more goals. They played one more game than Tampa, and they have five more goals. That's nuts. Of course, they've allowed more goals as well. That's also a problem, right? Like Tampa's allowed. Anyways, we'll get to them. We'll get to them later. Yeah, exactly. But in just terms of Boston, can we all, can we also talk about the Tuca situation a little bit? Because this oh, is please, yeah. yeah, this is so very much uh, a, a thought that is weighing on my head. The Bruins fans are going to run him out of town very very soon, and I think that is a massive mistake. I know, like some of these box score stats. Don't look great, but as we talked about in the post game last night, how many of those goals are really on him, and how many were really on Grizzly and the other defensemen in front of him? Yeah, you've heard of the Dropkick Murphy song, shipping out to Boston. He's going to be shipping out from Boston. But right, he's. <laughs> Anyways, um, he's a UFA, right? And with all the crap that he's had to put up with there in Boston. I could see him staying because he's been there forever. He's mm -hmm. had success there. Why would he necessarily want to leave? And I'm sure the organization wants him to stay, you know, probably helping Jeremy Swayman be that next guy. Um, but at the same token, he could be like, guys, I don't need to deal with the hate that I got for leaving the bubble to be with my sick daughter. I don't need to live with the hate of trying my best in the playoffs with, I don't know what the injury is, but I would imagine it's, you know, something to do with his arm because he had a really hard time with his glove hand. And this is a crap I get. 
it's not my fault you guys can't draft goalies properly or that the coach doesn't trust the other goalies that, that the GM brought in. Why is that my fault? I'm going to play. I'm going to want to play. And if the coach puts me in, that's on him if we don't do well. I told right. you I'm not I'm not great. But, like, if you don't have a better option, heck, yeah, I'm going to play. No, exactly. And the scary thing is, over the course of his career, him in the he, he's stellar in the playoffs. But there's this narrative from... A portion, not all, but a portion of Bruins fans who is like, oh, Tuka's a, bit, a choke artist in the playoffs. What do you, he has a 9.25 save percentage and a 2.22 goals against average for his career in the playoffs. Even with this series against the Islanders in his box score stats, in his 11 games that he played in this postseason, 9.19 save percentage, 2.36 goals against. That's still really damn good. He's not it's the reason not why they lost the series. Good. It's not playoff great, I should say, but it's good. You good. should be able to win with those numbers. Right, and he, he's he's not their issue. Uh, I, I don't think so. I, I think they desperately need more depth on that team. Um, but it was just that felt like such a, a storyline from this series that I just did not understand. Well, let's look at their blue line, right? So they lost Chara, and they lost um, Corey, uh, Tori Krug at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. That's their two number, their, their top two guys, top... Out, out of three, right? Include Charlie and McAvoy in there. They kept Charlie McAvoy. Those two other guys are gone. I understand Chara's quite old. And I understand they weren't going to pay Tory Krug, but, like, maybe you should have. And then, so you lose those two guys. Brandon Carlo goes out, unfortunately, through an injury. Uh, there's not a whole lot left there. Kevin Miller already wasn't playing because of injury. Like, there's not a whole lot going on there. And then you're going to be, like, I blame Tuka Rask. When you got Jeremy Lozon playing like top four minutes, come on, come on. I no disrespect to Jeremy Lozon, but he's not a top four guy. He's a bottom six guy at best. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's a bottom pair guy at best, maybe seventh defenseman on a really good defensive team. Like that, that's the problem, right? Greslick as well was exposed. He's not a top two guy, but he was forced to play that because they just didn't have the cover. Yeah, that pair stunk. They really did. And, like, the Islanders went hard at Charlie McAvoy, but that's what – if when you're a star, that's what happens in the playoffs. Yeah, right? Like, true. you, you got to raise your level. We said it about Matthew Barzell a number of times. And he did. Thankfully, Barzell – and that's another storyline from this series. Thankfully, Barzell did come around, played really well. Game six was quiet for him, but two through five was very good for the Islanders. He barely played in game six. Of course, he's quiet. Yeah, he played, like, ten minutes. I still don't understand what happened there, like, but I'm 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 still I'm gonna look at it tomorrow. I didn't have a whole lot of time to dig into it, but like the fact that his minutes were at like 12 minutes on the night, and he missed like a six minute shift that wasn't power play oriented for the Bruins. I don't understand why what happened there. Either way, you're right. Matthew Barzell stepped up, and we needed him to not only because he's a big player for the Islanders. We already know that, but he's one of their top players when it comes to the Boston Bruins. Like just this year, he's one of their top scoring players against the Bruins. They, they needed him to do that again to allow that, like, death by a thousand cuts. Because if Matthew Barzell isn't playing his game, well, that's one element we don't necessarily have to worry so much about. Sure, watch him, but, like, you know, we can maybe invest some resources closing other people down. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, well, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. The last storyline I think we should, we should get to is sure. discipline and officiating. Yeah, uh, so that was a huge storyline. So uh, Bruce Cassidy was not a fan of the officiating, um, and he made that abundantly clear after Game 5, calling the Islanders Saints. Um, The officiating in the series wasn't good. Um, 
I don't think it was good for either side. They're going to say the narrative that the Bruins were trying to spin was that it's only the the Islanders, which I, I don't get that at all. Like, why would the league be pushing for the team from Uniondale over an original six team? I don't that, like that logic does not like why it doesn't make any sense. Lou isn't able to sway things that much. Like I understand that Lou is is well regarded everywhere, but not like this. Gary Bettman's not going to like move hell and high water for the Islanders, even though he's a Long Island boy. It's not going to happen. No. It would have happened a long time ago, and maybe it did, but not in this way. It manifested itself on like the Islanders staying on the island. Maybe, yes, maybe. He's not going to move that. And like, if we want to talk about that, like. Sure, there were missed calls against the Islanders, right? Brock Nelson boarding Charlie McAvoy, probably should have been called. Uh, Kyle Palmieri getting his elbow up in Charlie McAvoy's face in Game 6. That should have been at least a two-minute minor, if not a little bit more. Nothing there. But when you flip it, you go, all right, well, sure, that that happened for the Islanders, but let's talk about the Bruins. $5,000 fine for elbowing. $5,000 fine for cup check, slash. And then a $5,000 fine for a cross check. All of those went unpenalized during play. The Islanders have not seen a fine. I'm not sure why Kyle Palmieri was not fine. I was expecting it, but the fact that he wasn't is surprising. Either way, that would have been one fine to the three that the Bruins got, and you're still going to tell me that the Bruins played clean? Come on. None yeah. of them did. No, yeah, I don't I don't buy that. I don't buy it at all. And, and like I said, you could say that the officiating wasn't good. I'd probably agree with you. But at least be consistent and say that, hey, it was not good on either side. But there's also the idea that this isn't a new narrative that the Boston Bruins take more penalties than the other team. They've been doing it all damn year. Mm -hmm. They're one of the more penalized teams in, in the league, and the Islanders aren't. This isn't a new narrative. It's well-established fact, actually. So the fact that – I shouldn't say fact that again, but because our, how this played out in the playoffs – really just kind of confirms what we saw in the regular season. It fits. The narrative fits. Yeah, the Islanders don't get penalized a lot, and the Bruins do, because you take dumb penalties all the time. That's how the game works. Yes, it does. It does. And in Game 5 specifically, the Islanders were able to capitalize on all those Bruins' mistakes, and that's what really pissed off Cassidy. Exactly, because his, his penalty kill all of a sudden stopped working. Right, like they had an eighty-six percent penalty kill through the regular season, yeah, and then great. through the playoffs, it's sixty-five point two against the Islanders. That's his problem. Yeah, that that was the issue. Um, and maybe he just wanted to go on the power play more because the Islanders had no answer for that power play. Fair. I I, I would I, I don't blame him for doing that. I guess, but like, not only did it not help you win the series, but it cost you twenty-five thousand dollars. Mm. Hate to see it. <laughs> Is there anything else from this series that you want to dive into or you want to transition and get into Tampa a little bit? Um, can we talk about, just very briefly, all the people who said that the Islanders would be found out when they don't have to play against Tristan Yari? Where, where are okay. they at? Should I read the goals off again? Uh, yeah. Two, four, one, four, five, six. Like, just come on here. Or, like, the Islanders are the worst five-on-five -five team. In fact, they are the opposite of that. They are the best five-on-five -five team. Like, what the hell are we talking about here? This is so stupid. The I, I just don't get why no one will give this team credit. Like, why is it so hard for people to say that this is a good team? I, I don't know, right? Like, because they don't play according to the... the I, I don't want to make this about analytics because it's not. It's not about analytics. We know that the analytics don't favor the Islanders, and that's no fault of the analytics necessarily. 
because there's no real way to quantify um, what they're doing. And it's not to say like, oh, they're winning through heart and gusto and sandpaper. They are. But what, what I'm trying to say here is that you, it's a, the way they play is sh- keeping things to the perimeter. Right, so it's hard to quantify that. You can look at expected goals, I guess, or like high danger chances, but that isn't always the full story because they'll give off high danger chances. They just they they know that they're not going to go in, kind of thing. That that's the type of game the Islanders play. It's, it's counter. It's basically counterintuitive to the way analytics are, are formed right now. And again, that's this is not an anti-analytic rant at all whatsoever. No. I love analytics. I think we like. I was gonna say I think we made our case pretty clear that we that analytics are important. They just don't tell the entire story sometimes. And that's the case with the Islanders. They're just not telling the full story. I'm I'm glad you were able to interject there with a very succinct point to my rambling. Uh, th- I knew that's kind of what you were trying to say. <laughs> I'm glad we're you a did team it. here. We're a team. <laughs> <laughs> dream work. Teamwork makes a dream work, my friend. Um, but that yeah. It, it really just comes down to that. It's just they're able to play their system. They're able to make it work. And, man, it just fits. And because it's not the way that we accept hockey is supposed to be played today, like it's not the Colorado Avalanche, people just can't figure out. No, they're not supposed to be winning. What are they doing here? They're frauds. It's not how it works. Yeah, when it's three years in a row, it's not a fluke. Even the Colorado Avalanche, if they lose tonight, they're out. That's that's very true. And then Colorado's out. And then it's Vegas and uh, Montreal. Right? And like everyone thought it was going to be Colorado all the way. For good reason. They might not even make it out of the second round. Right. And and like you said, for good reason. They're a great team. To me, my opinion, the two best teams in the NHL, Colorado and Vegas. It it just sucks that they're playing each other in round two. That that used to happen all the time with the the Capitals and Penguins years ago, too. That's true. that's, That's right. So like... Yeah, I, I think the, the issue here that we're having is that they're not fitting the the mold necessarily. And I think that suits us perfectly fine because as yeah. an or as a fan base and as a franchise, we never have fit the mold. Uh, so like this fits perfect. Love it. Absolutely love it. So let's transition now. Let's get into the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, so we don't have an official schedule yet, but it, it seems like game one is going to be on Sunday. And beyond that, uh, we'll have to see. Right on. Okay, Sunday start. That would be great. I'm down for that. Um, this is going to be an intense series. It really will. The Islanders, I feel, learned a lot from the last series against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Absolutely. And it was a very close outside of the first game, which yes. you know I talked about earlier, the, the 8-2 loss. That was a disaster. But the rest of the way, it was a very close series until the end. Game 6. I mean, I mean think about it, Mitch. Game 6 was double a double overtime game that they got eliminated in. So they were very inches away. Brock Nelson scores in double uh, was that the single overtime or double overtime? I don't even I remember. I think it was single. Either way, it was overtime. In Let's an overtime. That. If he if he scores, then they're playing in game 7 in the Eastern Conference final. Like they took this team that again supposedly has so much they do have much more talent than the Islanders, but a team that is supposed to be head and shoulders better. They took him to the brink on six games and a double overtime until getting eliminated. Like they gave him a damn good fight last year and not just completely, you know, blow everything out in the first second here of this podcast, but it was, it was played on neutral ice. That's a huge factor for both teams, right? Um, a lot of this is going to come down to 
feeling like get, getting the momentum of the crowd behind you specifically for well i shouldn't say not like the it's like the tampa bay don't get anything out of the emily arena i'm sure it's going to be an electric factory almost quite literally mm-hmm. um but yeah this is going to be huge for the islanders right because last hurrah this is one final hurdle before the stanley cup finals um that would be huge just getting there uh and we'll see if they can get through but like this this is a quite quite a big hurdle but again, I feel like they learned a lot, not just about the Tampa Bay Lightning, but how what they need to do to win, right? Because the, the Tampa Bay Lightning, while, like you said, are more talented than the Islanders, so are the Boston Bruins, so are the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, the way the Tampa Bay Lightning played in the last series was playoff, like, how do I say this? Like, cagey veteran playoff hockey. They were doing all the dirty stuff, right like doing picks just playing the way that you need like the war of attrition against the islanders and they just wore them down type of thing right the islanders know to expect this know how to play against it or at least know how to play with it and if anything do it back to them and and that should play in their favor maybe a little bit more in this series and think about this too like for both sides this is the first time all year that they're playing someone who they haven't played all year or who haven't played eight times. You know, in the regular season, they saw the, their division the entire way. In the first two rounds, it was teams they played eight times during the regular season. The last team, you know, not in their division for this year that the Islanders played was Tampa in the playoffs last year. Could you say that, you know, for really for both teams, for Tampa too, this is the first time that they're playing a team like the Islanders? Yeah, I... Like that, they don't really. Who else in that division with Tampa really plays a similar game to, you know, to the Islanders? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm just going to look at the standings now to just to get a refresher of who's in their division. Florida doesn't. I, guess, I wouldn't say Florida. I would say Dallas plays like the Islanders. Yeah, Dallas is probably the closest. Yeah, and Dallas didn't make the playoffs. No, so. but Dallas is an older team. Um, not I wouldn't say as talented as the Islanders specifically like through through their depth they're not as deep as the Islanders are yeah they've got their guys they've got a few guys there but it's not the same thing um so like Tampa's Tampa's used to what the Islanders are doing like you you mentioned before they played them last year and there isn't a big change here really for the Islanders swap out Anders Lee for Kyle Palmieri that's that's the difference from the last time they saw them yeah that's, that's pretty that's much really it, right? It. Um, I want to see the uh, Lightning's record against the Dallas Stars this year, just to kind of give mm. us a, a sense of like how do they do against a defense-first team. Mm-hmm. Um, so just give me a second here to get those those um, that data up. Come on here, Dallas, get stats. Okay, so Tampa against the Dallas Stars, 6-2-0. Ouch. Goals for 26, goals against 15, so that's 3.25 goals for, 1.88 goals against, power play 33, penalty kill 87.5. So pretty damn good against a defense first team like the Dallas Stars, um, but how much can you say this is going to translate over to the Islanders? I, I wouldn't say this is a one-for-one swap, but this is obviously something to be concerned about. Yeah, no, I... I... I think that's fair. I think it's totally reasonable. Um, obviously, the the stars and the Islanders aren't exactly the same as you know you just kind of pointed out there, but um, I don't know. I I think just my feeling last year and how 
they were able to, you know, grind it out and hang with them for the most part on in a neutralized situation. I think the Islanders' chances in this situation where it isn't a neutralized, the both teams will have a home ice advantage. I think it fares better for the Islanders that way than it would in a neutralized situation. And that's not necessarily to say like, oh, I'm, I definitely think the Islanders are going to beat Tampa now because they play, you know, they're going to play three games at the Coliseum. But uh, I, I think it makes the, the chances of that happening a little bit better. Is that fair at least? Yeah, it's fair. Um we also have to consider that the Tampa Bay Lightning are actually healthy, like fully healthy. They got Stamkos back. They got Kucherov, not Stamkos back I, from last year. Stamkos is playing. Kucherov is back, hasn't played all year, so he's fresh uh, and scoring a ton of points, right? He's got like 15 points on in the playoffs already. Uh, and, and they don't really have any other injuries on the blue line in nets at all. Like their one injury is Anders Nilsson. That's it. Yeah, that's and that doesn't matter to them. No offense. No, to him. it it really means nothing, right? Like you know, former Islander, of <laughs> course, but like you know, a long time ago. Um, yeah, they they're gonna be really tough to handle, right? Like they 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 toss aside the Carolina Hurricanes in five games, and I say toss aside, like you know, you usually say that for a sweep, but they made it look kind of easy, and that's a little bit worrying because the. Carolina Hurricanes are a pretty damn good team and had a pretty damn good goalie too. Yeah, that's true. And they were the better team. No, they they finished higher. They were the higher seed. Uh they did. They did finish higher. So that and that was a tough division, right? You had three teams in Carolina, Tampa, and Florida in there and those were all really good teams. No, exactly. So yeah, you got to give you got to give Tampa credit for that and they've been good for a long time. You know, we we know all the characters at this point. It's been pretty much the same team for a while now. So, I guess I'll pose it to you this way. What do the Islanders have to do to win this series? I don't know, man. Like, well, sorry. That's that's dumb. I'm going to say the same thing that they did against Boston. The same plan that they used against Boston. They've got to Goaltending has got to be like it was. Uh, not that they had to steal a game every night, but they've got to be at, at least around a 920. They've got to press their advantage on the power play. Um, it's not to say that the Islanders' power play is going to be great going forward, but when they get the opportunity, they've got to make something count. The PK's got to work, uh, obviously, because like they've got one hell of a power play there. Um, and just stay disciplined. Stay disciplined. That's really it. They're going to get their chances at 5-on-5. Five five. They've just got to you know, stay out of the goddamn box. Yeah, that's that was going to be my answer, is they have to play a disciplined game. They can't afford to go on the penalty kill. And we, and we saw it, you know, bite them a little bit in the Boston series at, at times. Boston was excellent on the power play, um, where Tampa is, is just as dangerous, if not more dangerous. So um, they, they can't they can't be giving Tampa three power plays a game. It's just not a good formula. It's not gonna end up. It's not gonna end well because, like, for Boston, you've got your you know, let's say top three really. But you know, we can count Taylor Hall, but like, lols. Um, but when it comes to Tampa, my God, they just they just come at you in waves on, on the power play. We're talking about here, right? Like Point, Stamkos, Kucherov, Palat, Hedman. That that's just one unit right there. And then you can still talk about like the Sorellis. Like there's Kalorn. still more players that that can jump over the boards. Yeah, Kalorn in front of the net. Kalorn, like, and these aren't like 
game breakers in and of themselves, but they're good players. Yes. And so, like, it's wave after wave on the power play. Limit those chances. And they did a good job against the Boston Bruins. They've got to do the same thing in terms of discipline against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Without a doubt. To me, it's staying disciplined. And you said it. I'm going to steal it. The Getting that 920 goalie play. There's no way if that if it goes below that, well, the Islanders are going to be in really rough shape because I don't know if you're going to be able to survive playing six five games against a team like that. They, they, if you're going to play the run and gun game against the Tampa Bay Lightning, you're going to lose because first off, it's they're more talented, like we said a million times, but the Islanders aren't built for that. That they tried that against the Pittsburgh Penguins for a couple of games and they lost both of those. Right, and I mean like Tampa, Colorado. You can't do it against those teams. You can't. You got to go into, well, what you do best. You know, shut it down, make it hard for them to get those chances, keep it to the outside. That's why Vegas is winning, right? Like that, or at least three up three, two. I don't know what the score is right now, but that's why Vegas is ahead and, and Colorado is not because you've they've played that slower pace game. They've played it to their strength, and the Islanders need to do the same thing. And I know they can. Uh, it's just a matter of will they. Right. Absolutely, we'll have we'll have to see there, but they they have done it. It's just can they do it over four games in in winning four games before Tampa does? It, it's not going to be easy, Mitch, but it's going to be a blast. I can tell you that much. I'm I'm looking forward to it again. Like just making up for last year, I'm I'm looking forward to to this series just for that alone. Absolutely. Is there anything else you want to get to in this series? No, I, I think that's all we we've we've need to say on this series we'll see how what what happens and when the schedule is released whenever the hell that's going to be maybe after tonight because this is the last series left yeah hopefully we uh find out shortly but as i said they it looked like on on twitter that they were talking it was going to start sunday so we'll see fair enough let's get into down on the farm mitch what do you got for us this week so I haven't spoke to anyone. There's no real news coming out. I should be speaking to Ben Miragres. Miragres, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm going to get him to tell me. Uh, I don't have a date set, so I'm not too sure. But um, I've been communicating with his people to try to set something up so I can learn more about him. Because his con- – not contract. The His his rights, his NHL rights are up August 15th, 2021. So if the Islanders don't sign him to an NHL deal, he walks. Um which may not be that big of a loss, but I feel like there's something there. And by something, I just mean there could be NHL, NHL potential there, uh, but we need to see it at the AHL level. Like He's just – he's productive at the at the collegiate level. He really is, right. um, even though he's had a couple of down years. But th- there's something there. There's something that could be harnessed out of him and made into something. I, I just – I don't know what it is, but I want to see Brent Thompson do something with it. It would be nice. It would be really nice if you're able to get you know something out of him. Because what round does he take it in? He was a later round guy, no? He's a third Three? round pick in 2017. In 2017. Okay. So, outside of that, there's not really anything. So, I, I pose a question to you, Matt. Oh, sure. What three prospects do you think? I, I don't have an answer here, so this is really just kind of like putting something towards you. Three prospects that could make the NHL team next year oh um sallow mm-hmm. i think so yeah um the uh bulldock yeah okay. it's gonna be the second one i always mix up him and hutton so i i was gonna say the other lefty 
Because Hutton's the righty, right? That's correct. Okay. So I was going to say the other lefty. So there you go. Third one, What con- I guess what constitutes as a prospect? That's where I'm at, right? Like, it's not to say, like, I don't know what a prospect is, but it's just kind of like, it's not coming off the tip of my tongue like that. Like, oh, it's going to be, here's the other three players that are going to be, con- con- that are going to compete for a spot. It's not that easy to list off because you're going, well, like, it's not going to be Simon Holmstrom. That's for damn sure. No. Does Koivula, Koivula have a chance, maybe? Or would you count Koivula as a prospect? I, I would. I would still count him as a prospect. Um, he's not 25 yet. And once he gets to, like, 24 or turns 25, that's when I stop looking at him. Uh, but, yeah, so that means uh, you got to not count Anatoly Golishev, but you would figure he'd be the also the first guy. Oh, that's true. I wasn't I wasn't thinking, yes, but yes. But he's 26. True. So, like, outside of that, who else? Kiefer Bellows is he going to be even be here past expansion? I have no. I, me trying to figure out what the Islanders are going to do with Kiefer Bellows is is truly baffling. I have no clue, not a single clue. So that was really the point of why I brought this up was to look at the names here, and I'm not going to name all of them or, or, or any of them outside of the ones we've already said. But you look at the, the names and you go like, I don't think there's a lot of competition coming in for spots, which is kind of understandable we were of a, um, a, a vet heavy roster so like you're not going to see Arnaud Durando just kind of like pop off and steal a spot from someone or Parker Wotherspoon step up and take Scott Mayfield's spot or I, I guess another lefty instead of a righty um, so I, I think that's the point I'm trying to make here is that the Islanders we should not expect prospects to start pushing and pushing hard for spots you might have competition for a left-handed defenseman spot and that's it for 22 21 or 21 22 sorry yeah I'm, I'm with you i really get there's nobody else who i'm like oh yeah that seems like the obvious one in there outside of balduk and Salo. it's going to be balduk and Salo going for that that lefty spot essentially andy green spot and we'll see who who lucks out it's going to be one of those two and it depends on what the islanders want yeah so, so we'll see. But I, I that's a that's an interesting question because I, like I said, those are the two obvious ones. And then after that, it's a whole lot of shrugging and guessing. <laughs> exactly. A more shrugging and guessing. Do you want to get to the, the, the quiz here? That was your best transition ever, Mitch. Yes. As we do every week, I have a mystery New York Islander mat for you to guess. You have five clues to figure out who he is. Are you ready? Let's do it. One, I was never drafted. That could be thousands of players, so I don't know. We're going to say next. I was traded to the Islanders twice in two years. Twice in two years? Okay, next. Three. In my best NHL season, which was under the Islanders, I scored 23 goals. I had four in the, the, the previous year. Uh... This is going to be a... Uh, I'm going to say it anyway, if it's a bad guess. I don't think this is who it is. Uh, Parentel. Incorrect, but good good guess for sure. Um, four. I'm 72. 72 years old now? That's correct, yes. 72 now. Now, Trade. that's not going to be... A da- I think you're going to have a really hard time figuring out who this person is up to up to this point. This is just trying to get, get you to figure out, figure out where age you should be thinking. Frame. Okay. All right. Next. My first name is Ralph, and I make art out of stew. 
Stewart. Rob Stewart. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes, you did it. There we go. I'll, t- I'll take it, Mitch. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, so yeah, Ralph Stewart played for the Islanders between 1972 when they were a team, uh, and, and or when they were uh, created, sorry, uh, up until 1976 when he was traded to the Vancouver Canucks. The only two teams he played for were the Islanders and the Canucks at the NHL level. Um, in 73-74, had 43 points with 23 goals, had 14 the year prior, put up another 40-goal season in 74-75, and and then he you know he he didn't play a full year after that. Gotcha. Okay. So that's our mystery in New York Islander for the 199th episode of the Eyes on Owls podcast. There you go. Love it. Let's get to social segment. What's going around on Isles Twitter this week, Mitch? Buddy, there's there's a good one going around right now. It's really incredible, isn't it? Islanders oh. true diehard fans remember the four in a row. They are sick to their stomach at, and the level of excitement for a round two win by the current majority of the fan base. Al Arbor, I spelt that one wrong, <laughs> didn't even crack a smile after winning the second round. I saw that. That's a brutal take. I'm, I'm not a Ryan Whitney guy, uh, to no be honest I. with you. Sorry, I, do, I didn't say who it was, but yeah, yeah, surprise, it was Ryan Whitney. I do I do like his beverage. I will give him that. Um it's the, hard to screw up vodka and pink lemonade. Just gonna say, <laughs> very valid, <laughs> valid point. Totally fair. Um, yeah. So what? That's just like oh, fans under forty can't enjoy anything. First off, what's a real fan? Like, or, or sorry, what's a true fan? Right, a true diehard fan. I what is that? By his definition, would be someone over the age of forty. He's not even over the age of forty. Right, isn't he just 39? Isn't he two years younger than I am? Or older? Couldn't tell you. Don't know. I'm going to look it up now. I know he's not that old. He was not around for those. He was not. Like, it's just, this is not a thing. So, uh, oh, come on here. Yeah, he's 38. He's born a year ahead of me. What are we talking about here? I don't I don't get it. I, I don't understand. You're not supposed to enjoy it. You're not supposed to have fun. Don't like it. How, how do we gatekeep happiness? What the goddamn hell is he talking about here? You can't be happy because you won around. Isn't that what any and every fan base does when they do that? Whether it's first, second, third, or fourth round? Yeah, the celebrations probably get bigger and bigger each time. But like, yeah, if you're going, if you're going to be one of the four teams remaining, I think you should be very happy about that. I, I, I don't understand what the problem is. Yeah, Al Arbor didn't crack a smile. Yeah, of course. Maybe that was the fourth time he had done it, though. Maybe after a third time, you're kind of like, I expect that we do better because we've already done it three times now. He's I'm sure in 19, what is it, 74, their third year that they were in, in existence, they made it a couple of rounds. I'm sure the first time they won a, a playoff round, Al Arbor wasn't like, we expect to win a cup, damn it, stone cold face. But I don't know. I wasn't there. Nor was Ryan Whitney. <laughs> yeah, that was a strange one. I did see that on the old interweb, and uh, a well-deserved ratio ensued. So, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I, I, I guess I should get it because he's a Boston fan, and Boston fans are mad because they lost, which is fair. You, as we should be happy we won, they should be mad. They're they lost. That's how this works. I know, but they, they direct your anger at, I don't know, your own team. I did right, like it's misplaced anger and jealousy is what it is. Really, uh, my next one comes from. Well, my first one comes from at Hey Tall Girl One Four Three. She does a tremendous, 
rendition of When the Saints Go Marching In. And she put it out on Twitter. She's playing the trumpet. Phenomenal stuff. Might as well be Louis Armstrong. Let's go. I saw that too. Absolute blast. Love it. I love that that was a thing yes. that we that we took and we harnessed the power of the Saints and we just did something with it instead of just like, oh, he said something interesting and like moved along with our day like any other dumb fan yes. base. We're like, no, 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 no. We have to sit and dwell and, and fester on this and make this a thing. We have to make this a thing. Yes, of Love course. It. And because that's what Islanders fans do. It's it's why they're the best fans in the world. It really is. Like, just incredible stuff. I absolutely love That's what fans should be doing. Every fan base should be doing that. Right? The Sens started doing that this year, right? And embracing the sicko thing. Yes. Do that more, fans, everywhere. Yes. I love it. We Or like the jerks a few years ago. Yes. Yes, the Hurricanes. You're absolutely right. What else you got, Mitch? Uh, this one's from B-Comp. I think we all know Ooh. who he is. Um, I asked John Ledecky today how the Isles have had so much success over the past three seasons. His answer, one, Lou Lamorello. Sorry, Mr. Louis J. Lamorello. That time I could do it seriously. Two, Barry Trotz. Three, an ownership group that stays the heck out of the way. We're not talking to Barry and Lou about who you're going to play on the fourth line. Well, obviously, we know who's playing on the fourth line. On Barcy's <laughs> right. wing, maybe it's a better conversation. Kidding, obviously. That's what you want from, that's what you want from ownership. Good ownership stays the hell out of the way. Every New York franchise should be trying to copy exactly what the Islanders did three years ago. Every single one. Well, like, I understand that an owner should step in when things aren't going well, right? Like, yeah, hey, the thing that I'm investing heavily in isn't, you know, reaping a reward for me. Maybe I should change things. But when it's going well, yeah, you sit back. And the reason it's going well is because they did their due diligence. They hired their best possible candidates for each job. They had to pay, but they did it. And now you can sit back and go like, I'm going to enjoy you know, the fruits of my labor here because I put two capable individuals in spots of power or uh, spots of authority, I should say. And they're they're doing their thing as I as they said they would do. So why do I have to do anything else? Why should I doubt Lula, Marilla, and Barry Trotz? Right. And the thing is, like uh, so many people say, oh, my God, New York is such a tough sports town to you know to play in or be a part of. But look at how the Islanders fans have embraced the ownership of Ledecky and Malkin just because, like, of going about it the right way. You know, they want, they're spending money. All you're asking is spending money, put competent leadership in charge, and stay out of the way, which is exactly what they are doing. It's perfect. Well, like, even with the spending money thing, yeah, of course, but they're spending it in the right ways, right? Yeah. Like, yes, they also were there when Andrew Ladd was signed, were they not? Were they were they the majority owners then? Had had they taken over for yes, long? Yes, in six going. Yes, yes, they did. Right, but that wasn't their guy, right? They hadn't put Garth. No, that was still Garth. Yeah. So like, they they corrected that. They they saw that that didn't work out, and they're like, no, 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 we can't be spending thirty seven point five million dollars on a player who isn't going to be playing here. That's stupid. That's not going to help. So they did that. They invested in the uh, the practice facility, right? They upgraded mm-hmm. the infrastructure to make the players happy to bring those players in. And then they invested in a goddamn arena because they're like, we kind of need one of those. And boom. And it, I shouldn't say that as if like that's an obvious thing, even though it is. And it's not like Charles Wong wasn't trying to do that, but he could only get so far. And he, the guy was bleeding money up until yeah. a certain point. So like he could only go so far with this. And then these guys stepped in and they took two years to figure it out, right? They didn't just step in and say like, no, no, we're taking this. We're going to do it. We know best. 
that they took two years to figure it out, learn the, the learn what they need to learn, and then they went for it. And honestly, that's what you got to do: shadow for a little while before you go all in. Absolutely, I can't wait for you to just see UBS. It's a palace, like it. I wish it was side by side to the Coliseum because it feels like or looks like it's three times the size of the Nassau Coliseum. It's oh, gigantic. Yeah. I've only seen like the steel girders. I, I think that was there the last time I drove by. Yeah, probably. And that, that was like two years ago. Right. So it's been a while. It's been a while since I've seen it. I, I've i seen pictures, obviously, but it, it doesn't it's do not it justice the same. until no. you walk right up to it. No, it doesn't. But every week when I drive past on the Cross Island, it, it's mesmerizing, really. <clears throat> Very jealous. I'm very jealous of you all. If I could afford living in New York, I might. I might. I, I don't I, think my wife would. I understand where she is coming from on that. I exactly. Uh, my last one here is from Jimmy Isles. Oh, wait. No. I already I have did one more. two. Yeah, Go I got one. I got one more. It's still on that uh, on the Saints gimmick. From the New Orleans Saints, this tweet comes. So it says, hypothetically speaking, if the Saints were in game six of the NHL Stanley Cup second round tonight... Which Saint player would make the best hockey player? Now, I know you're not really a big football guy, so I don't expect you to come up with an answer. But I am here to pitch Alvin Kamara on Matthew Barzell's line. And the reason for that is speed, putting speed with speed, and someone who is light on their feet and who could like juke, juke defenders out and stuff like that. So it would be almost like having another Barzell with Barzell. And I'm here so it'd for the be fun. like, and he can hit, I imagine, right? He's a football oh, player. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's probably built like a brick house, right? Like, Yeah, you know what? I'm going to say it's like um, peak Grabo. Ooh, wow. I was going to say like a hybrid of Matthew Barzal and Leo Komarov where it's all the skill of Barzal and all the like the, the oh, physicality yeah, of Leo Komarov. Yeah, I was going to go like 30, uh, 30 goal uh, Grabo. That's a, that's a good Grabo. That's definitely a good grab to have. There you go. So Beauty. Uh, my last one here comes from Jimmy at Isles USMT, and it says the New York Saints, and it's him just dressed up as a nun. <laughs> there were some really, really funny gimmicks outside in the parking lot. There was someone dressed like a nun. There was uh, a bunch of halos. It was it was awesome. I, I love the fact that we leaned heavy into it. You got to do it. When the opportunity presents itself, lean into it heavy every single time, please. Yes, absolutely love it. So uh, that's going to do it for us. So let's get some plugs in here before we go. So if you like the coverage, what you should do is subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles, and that gets you even more coverage. So what do you get? You get videos of podcasts. You get post-game shows. You get uh, winners and losers predictions, a community of Islanders fans, Videos from like so many things. Uh, the mailbag. We have the 25 bag. things today to look at on the we, mailbag. We're going to be up to midnight recording this show. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not a lot of long ones, but yeah, 25 <clears throat> is a lot. So there's a lot that people want to know about that we're going to try to give them answers to. You could also follow along on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My Twitter is Matt O'Leary NY and Mitch is over at TLO Mitch. Facebook, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You could download the fan-sided app and keep up with us there or visit the website eyesonisles.com for all your New York Islanders needs. Mitch, that's going to do it for 199 200 next week. How's that sound? Oh, my God, that sounds beautiful. Let's go. 
That's going to do it for us. Stay tuned for coverage. I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson, and we'll talk to you next time.